to it it is the hell is it, the 22nd of december 2023 it's friday it is the friday before christmas and all through the house everybody's kind of going have we got our stuff together are we ready for this thing the answer is probably no anyway welcome to the program i'm Derek hunter this is the Derek hunter podcast and uh, you can support the program by spreading the word telling friends i got more emails about the show on the 20th honestly, which was, uh, what, Wednesday. I don't remember what it was, but people were telling me, oh, that was the best, and you're brave for saying this, that. I don't, I had to sit there and go, what did I talk about? And I couldn't remember. I still can't remember, but I didn't go back and listen yet. I might go back. I don't, I don't listen to the show because I do the show, but then I have such a horrible, I have a very good memory for details of events and things, certainly if I see or hear something. But as far as, like, once it comes out of my mouth, before it comes out of my mouth, I don't give it much thought. And once it's out of my mouth, I can't remember what the hell it is. I do, you know, a radio show. Yesterday I did uh, Sean Spicer's podcast, which you should check out. It's out there. Me, Grace Curley, and uh, Jessica Anderson, and Sean Spicer. And uh, I have no idea. What, I can't remember what we talked about. Uh, it was the news of the it was Colorado, I think. But um, I don't remember anything I said. I was good because I'm just that good. Uh, but it was just one, once it comes out of my mouth, I don't think about it. I don't think about it ahead of time. This is all sort of not stream of consciousness. I mean, I'm thinking about I know the stories I want to talk about, but I don't sit there and think about what I'm going to say. And then once it's done, it's done. I just move on right? It's just gone. So, uh, like somebody said, I've been interviewed about various columns. And like I did, well, Joe Concha yesterday didn't interview me about my columns. He was just interviewing me about general stuff. But I've been interviewed about my columns. And uh, I have to go back and have it in front of me because I can't remember what I wrote. I just write it and I'm and I move on. I don't edit it. I don't, as you can tell, some of the times with the misspellings and things like that, I just uh, throw it out there to the world and trust that the editors of Town Hall or The Hill or wherever will catch it. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. I get emails. I forward them saying, hey, you misspelled this. You used the wrong word or spell check or whatever. Autocorrect. Whatever. I just blame autocorrect. But I just send it on. So I don't think about once it comes out of my head. So thanks to everybody who sent me the messages. I couldn't really engage with those emails because I don't remember what I was talking about. Man, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to hear what it was. It was so brilliant that I might go back and listen to some of it, but I'll just skip through it because I find it wildly narcissistic to sit there and listen to yourself. I think who would want to do that? I've, I recorded my book on tape and, um, I've never listened to, my wife bought it on tape. And so, I don't know, I'm sure I could have probably gotten it for free, but she didn't ask. I gave her a hard copy. I figured it was covered. So don't be like, you made your wife buy your book. No, I didn't make my wife buy my book. But, uh, <laughs> kind of a jerk of me. Hey, honey, you should read my book. Yeah, no, you, I'm not going to give you a copy. You're going to pony up. But um, 
I couldn't. Li- I could listen to it for free. I could get her Audible account and listen to it for free. And I just, I don't want to. I don't need to hear. I've got my voice going in my head all the time. I don't need it actually literally going into my head. It's already in there. Ugh. Anyway, enough. That's a very narcissistic way to start the show. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. This this aside from the week in effing review and the Monday, it'll be Monday. Maybe I'll post it on Sunday. I don't know. But the uh, I'll be on James Golden's show on Saturday, Bo Snerdly, on WABC from 7 to 8. That's at least the plan as of now. Who knows? I may oversleep. But uh, I doubt it. So I will uh, do that and then post that on uh, Sunday or Monday. And then the rest of the week, I never got around to asking Dean to fill in. So I'm not really sure. I don't think I'm going to do I think I think I'll just repost old shows with a note that this is a rerun and Merry Christmas. But uh, the end of next week, I'll have the announcement. And people are like, you mentioned you're going to be back on radio again. Yes. Starting on the second. I'll give you the details um, probably on the first or whatever. Because it's kind of I'm doing just kind of a soft launch. But you can listen live streaming online and everything. Um <laughs> One last, it was kind of funny. Speaking of Dean, I'm filling out, and, and Joe. Joe, you're out there listening. The the Wants family and great people, good friends. My friend Dean as well. I'm sitting there. I am not, believe it or not, I, I get in the Christmas spirit. I'm horrible at getting gifts. I'm terrible at getting gifts. I'm very good at giving gifts. I will listen to people throughout the year and hear what it is that they they need or they want or they like and then i i never really sit there and go what do you want for christmas because that's not i don't know it, it just doesn't i don't need to do that i much prefer to figure it out and surprise them with it but i also i i feel guilty getting things i don't know i wasn't really raised catholic but i'm technically but i am catholic and it's that Catholic guilt, maybe it is in the DNA, where you're just like, I don't really need anything. I don't really want anything. I don't want whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but plus, what do you do? You say, well, what would you want for Christmas? And the answer is always cash. Because if I, I want a sandwich, I'll buy a sandwich. If I want a movie, I'll buy the movie. If I want a this, I'll buy the this. It's like I, I, money, right? Money. Because I don't know what I want right now. It's not like, boy, I really want this Lego set. Although Lego sets are cool. But it's just, uh, you know, one of those things where money makes makes it much, much makes life much easier. And so I, uh, I don't like to get Christmas. I'm one of those kind of cynical people, believe it or not. I know. I hope you were sitting down for that. That when it comes time to do the Christmas cards, and this is a new phenomenon for me since I've been married, Christmas cards. Never did Christmas cards, never did thank you cards, never did my mother after the wedding. And I was like, you got to fill out thank you cards, blah, blah, blah. We had a very small wedding, so it was like 50 people or something. So the, the thank you cards, and we did actually say we only really need money. But the uh, thank you cards were easy for 50 people. And so you know, thank you very much for your generous gift. Great to see you, blah, blah, blah. Lather, rinse, repeat. But I... Uh, when it comes to Christmas cards, I do it. Everybody looks at my wife and me and they think, well, she's really put together. She's got it all figured out. She's always makes sure that her clothes look great. Her hair looks great. I'm a slob. 
I'm a slob. I'm just a, a, I'm wearing, I don't know the last time I wore pants that didn't, you know, weren't more suitable for the gym. I honestly don't know. Today I'm doing some um, Middle Eastern TV thing. I've got to put on a shirt and tie. And that's, but I'm still going to wear the same pants because they're not going to see my leg and I get to do it from home. But I'm just an absolute slob. My hair is unkempt. It's a mess. My hair is exceedingly long. I can pull it back into a ponytail, which I like because then I don't have to do anything with it. Uh, or I just throw a hat on. And so you look at us and you think, well, that fat slob, terrible. That woman is the one who... She's the slob. Not in her personal appearance, but in every other aspect of life. The house is... Just, she works a lot. But it's, you know, I'm the one who cleans. And if you think about the two of us, you think, well, she's obviously all over the Christmas cards. She's doing the Christmas card. She's got this. She's got that. And uh, it's not true. I do the, I have always done the Christmas cards. I have since 2015, I've done the Christmas cards. And this year is no different. And I always wait until the last minute. Now, you can tell me if this is too cynical or not. But I don't, I hate getting gifts back because you gave somebody a gift. You know what I mean? Like the, the people, you, you see these people, you know them, they're your friends or they're your coworkers or whatever. Like, hey, I got you something for Christmas. So uh, next Tuesday before you leave. Make sure you, they, they're just putting you on. They're not saying, make sure I get you this gift. They're saying, you you know that I've got you. I'm telling you I've got you something. You've got hours or days to get me something back. I don't want to, when I give a gift, I just give a gift. And people are like, whoa, hey, what's this? And I, I could say it's kind of mean that I look at it and go, Oh God, I'm going to get all the complaint emails from this because why don't you get to the point? Why don't you talk about the news? But tough. It's a Friday before Christmas. But I, I, I do kind of like getting things for people who didn't get me anything. Right? And uh, I do feel guilty giving or uh, getting things from somebody I didn't give anything to. It's... I, I know I, I know what I'm doing to people when I do it, and I like doing it to them, but I don't like it being done to me. It's kind of a weird situation. But when it comes to something as basic as Christmas cards, I wait until the last minute, I, A, because I just am busy and forget about it or think there's more time, and B, I, uh, I don't want to send it out, send it out soon enough, early enough, so that the people who get them who weren't already going to send me a Christmas card can send me one back, right? They just just take it and have done with it, right? You you got you lost, and that's kind of how I look at it. It's a wrong way to look at it. I get it. I'm a horrible person. I'm not going to deny that. But yesterday, I'm doing the uh, Christmas cards. Now I've been doing them for like two days, and so Joe and Ruby, Ruby, you're getting a. Um, a drawing from Quinn as well, because Ruby sent not only me a Christmas card, she sent Quinn a card because Quinn had sent her a, a drawing. And uh, Quinn loves getting mail. My sister sent something to Quinn, and Ruby sent Quinn a Christmas card. And uh, so I said, uh, you know, I tell her she's getting mail, it's coming, because you get the email every day of here's your mail, it's coming that day. 
And so she's asking, am I getting any mail today? Did I get any mail today? Six years old. No, you didn't get any mail. You're welcome to any one of my credit card bills. You're welcome to them, kid. But no, you didn't get any mail today. She thinks everything's about her. But anyway, I uh, was going to send these out. Now, Ruby, you beat me by like a week. So it's not reactionary. You were already on the list. You're on the nice list, not the naughty list. Joe... Your card showed up the day I wrote your address on the, uh, the day after I wrote your address. So I did the cards uh, Tuesday night and didn't mail them out until Wednesday. And, or no, Monday, or whatever it is. Your, your card showed up the day that yours went in the mail, but I'd filled it out the day before. There was nothing I could do. It was not a reaction to it. And I'm like, damn it, Joe beat me. Dean took a ch the cheap route. He sent an electronic card. He sent an electronic card last night, like an e-card. And so I click on the link and I literally had, there's like Sean Parnell and Dean Carianis and Joe Concha just got all their addresses. And I'm like, I addressed it and not 20 minutes later, Dean's email card shows up. And I'm like, God oh, damn it. So I took a picture of it and like immediately after I got Dean's thing, I said, this is not a reaction to your e-card. This is already on the way because I, I, there are people I've gone to high school with that I'm like sending a card to that I don't think I'm going to get a card back from. But if I had sent the card last week, I definitely would have gotten a card back from. I don't want the card back. I want the self-satisfaction because that's all it is it's not paying money it's nobody wins or anything but i want the self-satisfaction of knowing this is kind of just it's dickish it's not like you die and you're standing at the pearly gates and the, well the criteria to getting into heaven is not quite what you've been told it is whether or not you've received more christmas cards than you've sent out if you've done that you're, it's tough it's purgatory for you but if you've sent out more than you've received then clearly you're a good person and can come in. It's not that. It's not. That'd be nice because I'd win. But it's just the sense of perverse satisfaction that you get from doing that. And I do like getting a small gift here. I was thinking about you. Merry Christmas to somebody who got nothing back from me. Now, some people, my buddy Neil Patel, who is the publisher and owner of The Daily Caller, He's, I don't know whether he's out of which state he's in at any given moment. So I sent him a text. What's the uh, best address? I said I have a, a Groupon for an assassin or a Christmas card to send your way. I don't know which. Haven't decided yet. Where should I send it? And so he says, you know, he sends me the thing and he's where he is. And then he goes, what's your new address too? He knew that we'd moved. <laughs> like, damn it. They're not supposed to, no, he's at least honest about it. Like, look, uh, it's the 20th. I wasn't going to make you a Christmas card. I don't know where you're living now. But now that I've you've reminded me, go ahead and send it to me. Tucker, on the other hand, because, again, I don't know if Tucker's in Florida, Tucker's in Maine, Tucker's in, on the moon, who the hell knows. He responds with, oh, Merry Christmas. Here's my address. He's not trying to reciprocate which I really wildly respect. And then I got a friend, uh, Carrie. She's in her wedding. Love Carrie. Love Carrie. But she's a little quirky sometimes. 
ask her for an address. She doesn't send it to me. She sends it to the wife. Well, I know she has a condo, right? She's in a high-rise condo building. And uh, she owns an apartment. I don't know if you own an apartment or a condo or whatever the hell. I think it's apartments. She owns a couple of apartments in there. And uh, I know it's, I've never been there, but I know that it's uh, a building. And she doesn't give like a unit number or anything like that. I'm like, isn't, is there a unit number? I asked my wife, she said, I don't know. This is all she sent me. And so I have to send her a text, another text. Is there a unit number? Uh, oh, yeah, yes, here it is. Here's the unit number. And I'm thinking, if somebody asks for your address and a unit number is part of your address, why would you not include the unit number when you send somebody the address? That's, that's just very weird. Like, why would you do that? This is not complete information. I'm going to send you something and you say, yes, I'm going, here's the information. Well, here's, here's a good portion of the information for you to send me things. That's like, hey, what's your address? I got to send you something. And then you just say, it's uh, 1742 in uh, Washington, D.C. Like, well, there's something missing there. You need a street address. Oh, you want the street? You want the street too? Uh, no, I'm not going to give you the street. Just they'll figure it out. They'll know by the name. It's just bizarre. People are so weird. But I do love the odd sense of satisfaction that I get from sending somebody. A, now, the Christmas cards are all in the mail. They're not all in the mail. There's a second. I printed them up. I chose the pictures and uh, printed them. Maybe I'll post a picture of one of the pictures of the Christmas card on the uh, Patreon site for everybody to see. But I, um, yeah, you know what? Hell, I'll put that up there. So you can go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and you can see the Christmas card. Um, I ordered whatever number of them and they were 17 envelopes short. Supposed to get one envelope per card, 17 envelopes short, CVS, man, what's going on? So I had to go back and I'm expecting to have to argue, haggle or pay. And this guy just grabs a giant stack of envelopes and we're lousy with them. It gives me a handful of envelopes. So it's like, oh, all right, cool. There you go, dude. There you go. <laughs> so the rest of the uh, cards will be going into the mail this morning or yesterday morning. Well, they'll be going, I don't know. They might be there now. So it's all been taken care of. But I just, the, the saddest, there's so much politics in Christmas. We haven't even started making Christmas cookies. Anyway, I, there's one thing I want to talk about today that is, uh, well, there's a couple of things, but realistically, I want to I want to play you a clip from our idiot vice president. I really thought that Joe Biden was the bottom of the barrel when it came to general and generational stupidity. And I believe this is going to feature prominently in the Weekend Effin Review because there's so much in this thing. But I'm just going to play the, the short intro of it because I listened to the whole thing and I'm like, it's only, what, 46 seconds long. But Kamala Harris is uh, a real piece of something. And she's just stupid on top of it. It's important to remember that we're dealing with people who are not particularly bright. The face of the Democratic Party, not particularly filled with, white, uh, with uh, bright people. Joe Biden has been stupid as well. Kamala Harris got her start by uh, servicing Willie Brown and then got appointed to a political position. Um, you name it. Pete Buttigieg, the guy can't manage bike paths, couldn't manage installing bike paths 
in South Bend. And you sit there and you wonder why there are still warning signs about limiting the number of uh, baby formula bottles that you can buy at any given time in certain stores because of the supply chain disaster that he oversaw. But don't worry. When he's not on family and medical leave for whatever him and Chaston have decided is so wildly important at any given time, uh, he is, well, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Actually, I think the Department of Transportation runs much more smoothly when he's not there. Make of that what you will. So you're not dealing with bright people. They're evil, and the people who are controlling them are really evil and know exactly what they're doing, but, you know... You let the morons be the face and enjoy the perks, take the slings and arrows while you push the agenda behind. And what do I mean? I'm, you're calling Kamala Harris a moron? Yes, I am calling Kamala Harris a moron because I want you to listen to what she says. Now, this is one of the things that cracks me up about every single election for my lifetime is this is the most important election of our lifetime. This is the most important election of our lifetime. And you're like, every one of them is the most important election of our lifetime? We're kind of screwed. If you ever can't ever exhale, if you can't ever relax and go, we're doing all right as a society or as a person, you're probably going to stroke out, have a heart attack and die or whatever it is. Like every once in a while, you should be able to just relax, right? But with Democrats, Every election is the most important election of our lifetime. I remember Chelsea Clinton, I think it was in 2016. It was one of the dumbest clips I'd ever heard. This is the most important election of our lifetime. And if we get it wrong, the next election will be the most important election in our lifetime. Like, wait a second. What? What? You're not supposed to say... You know, the next one's going to be just as important or more important or whatever. It's always immediate. The immediate is the most important thing ever. It's it's a sense that salespeople try and instill in everybody. That's what's kind of that's what they do is they try and put this sense of urgency, unnecessary urgency on people. This is the most. If you don't act now, if you don't do this, it's over. It's over. It's horrible. 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 And you're like. Uh, no, no, I don't really need this car. Look, if you don't walk off this lot today with this car, this car may not be, it's probably not, there was a guy sniffing around, he was sniffing the tailpipe just earlier today. They need that sense of urgency. ABC, man, always be closing. So listen to the president or vice president of the United States. She leaves out an important word and doesn't realize, now Lawrence O'Donnell I don't know if Lawrence O'Donnell is like when you're interviewing when you're a Democrat on MSNBC interviewing a Democrat on MSNBC. You are not you're not going to nitpick. You're not going to notice anything. You just stick to the script. Whatever they say will never lead you to another question that wasn't planned already. There's a script. Here's the topics we're going to discuss. I'll say this. You say that. We all get along. And if somebody screws something up. You can't ad-lib like that because you're not particularly bright. You're not particularly engaged. It's uh, The difference you can tell if you've ever done a play, you can tell whether or not somebody is a good actor or a not good actor if something goes wrong. If something goes wrong and 
that person doesn't acknowledge it, they just plow right through, that's not a very good actor. That is a script reciter, not an actor. They're not even remotely close to being in the moment. I remember, God, we did the, the Odd Couple in high school and the scene where you're chasing Felix around the apartment and you throw water in his face. Um, you think he's going to kill himself or whatever. We had cheap, you know, small stage, cheap flats and fake balcony doors, which didn't actually open onto a balcony. They were just there. And it was like there was no balcony. It was made clear that if he opened those doors or the window, or it was a door, but it was like a window, that if he opened that, he could just jump right uh, down to the street. And so we catch Felix. I catch him and uh, my another guy catch him. They throw the water and we all kind of lean back just a little bit. And the, the window, door, whatever, like French door, just, you, I turn, I look and I see a couple of guys looking back at me's faces in horror. And so I look back just in time to see the door falling. Now it's fake. There wasn't real, there wasn't any glass in it or anything. It was on the cheap, but it was supposed to be a, a glass door or window or whatever. And it just falls down. And everybody's looking at me like, what the hell? And so I just looked and I leaned out the window and I just screamed, look out! Because you couldn't just pretend that this window didn't fall out. If somebody drops a glass and shatters it by accident, you can't just pretend it didn't happen. If you're on the stage, you've got to say, oh, nice job, Alice. And then you pick up and go backstage go off stage into the kitchen area or whatever and you grab a broom quickly and you sweep it up because you can't have people running all over glass there's going to be people barefoot or whatever you have to kind of be in the moment and adapt when you are a democrat interviewing a democrat it doesn't first of all there's nothing they can say that you're like oh my god whoa we need to explore that a little more unless they go hey you know what i've been thinking about it and maybe we shouldn't have children cutting their genitals off. Maybe we should, I don't know, maybe make them wait till they're 18 or 21, something. If you, can't, if you can't vote, you can't buy cigarettes, you can't buy a beer, maybe you shouldn't be able to have a double mastectomy and a hysterectomy. Just maybe. Then they might go, wait, what did you just say? What kind of heresy did you just say? But anything short of that is probably not going to be all that shocking to them. So when Kamala Harris omits a word from this is the most important election of our lifetime, which 2020 was, which 2016 was, which 2012 was, which 2008 was, and go on and go on back. It's a pretty important omission. But Larry O'Donnell doesn't care, doesn't notice it, he understands that the script, he's, he just, he knows his next line. He knows his next question. So whatever Kamala Harris says, when you're interviewing a liberal, what the answer is, is irrelevant to the questioner. And what the question is, is really irrelevant to the interviewee. It's a weird sort of relationship, but that's the world we find ourselves in. So I want to play you this because... I find it funny that she so cluelessly just doesn't realize. Nobody realizes. It's just it's a weird. If you're watching this, you're going, "Wait a second. She didn't say the noun in this sentence." 
You know, every election cycle we talk about this is the most election of our lifetime. Lawrence, this one is. <laughs> every election cycle we talk about this is the most election in our lifetime. Oh, yeah, she didn't leave the noun out. She left out the adjective. The most election. It's the most election. This is the most. Well, I think this is the second most election. This is the third most election. You just sit there and you go, how does, how do these people get these positions? How do these people get these jobs? And you realize the only way they get these jobs is you lower the bar to the point that you need a shovel to get under it. The only way to not clear this bar is to try. You really have to try. And that leads us to Claudine Gay again. Oh, good old Claudine. They keep on discovering things about Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, and it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. She is wildly incompetent. She is absolutely a diversity hire. Her academic rigor is, I don't know, has all the, the tensile strength of balsa wood. She is a damn joke and a disgrace. If she had any sense of decency, she would have never taken the job, let alone resigned. The fact that she took the job indicates that she has a sense of entitlement and she understands what her job... All of her academic research, by the way, is about the grievance industry and how important the grievance industry is. Well, now they keep finding more and more instances of her plagiarizing, of her flat-out plagiarizing. So yesterday in the New York Times, the New York Times, see, people who write for a living and are, take it seriously are offended by people who will take that writing and uh, use it without attribution. One of the things I find, one of the many, many, many things I find annoying about Fox is uh, back when I was at the Daily Caller writing news stories, Fox would take them and rewrite them, sometimes barely rewrite them, oftentimes things that you just sat there and you said, that's pretty damn close to plagiarism. And they never linked back to it. Go to a Fox News story. You will see a lot of links embedded in that story. Click on any of them. All of them will lead you to another Fox News webpage. It is an, a self-contained ecosystem that, is, that exists not to, inter, not to uh, inform the audience, but to enrich Fox News. Nothing wrong with it. You've got to make some money. But at some point, you should have some decency and give credit where credit is due. They don't really do that. Drives me nuts about that. Anyway, um, the headline in this New York Times piece is Harvard finds more instances of, quote, duplicative language, end quote, in president's work. That's a hell of a way to talk about plagiarism. That's a hell of a way to talk about things that would get a mere mortal fired and, in fact, cost Joe Biden his first presidential bid back in 1988. The subheadline, Claudine Gay has faced growing criticism of not only her response to anti-Semitism on campus, but also her scholarship, because she doesn't really have any scholarship. It's all, honestly, it's grievance industry garbage. That's all she brings to the table. It's grievance industry garbage. Here's just a bit of... Uh, 
Gay's scholarship, if you will. There's a piece in the Washington Times entitled A Failing Grade for Harvard's Claudine Gay. I don't recommend the Washington Times. You have to click four things in order to get to the point where you can see the article. And one of them is read more. One of them is a pop-up ad. One of them is, would you like you to, us to send you a push notification? Like, just let me read the damn thing. God, I hate going to websites now. Pop, I miss the days of pop-up ads because you could at least ignore them. You just go click around them and they are uh, underneath everything else as they load up. But anyway, they write, <clears throat> in her last article published six years ago titled, a room of one's own, question mark. Ms. Gay found that Democratic governors direct federal housing subsidies to supportive constituencies when they have the discretion to do so. Yes, you mean Democrats direct money to people who vote for them? The hell you say. What a duh moment. Then, in Knowledge Matters, Miss Gay found that political ignorance is a key reason why African Americans support Democratic policies, uh, Democrats, despite policy disagreements. Again, duh. And then, in seeing difference, Miss Gay found that African Americans resent economically successful Hispanic neighbors. Sitting there going, "This is this is what passed," because you you sit there, you probably don't have a PhD. You probably haven't done, quote, rigorous academic research. This is what passes for rigorous academic research, any of these things. And you're just sitting there going, this is, this is what people make six, seven figures a year. This is what they're, they get these titles of damn near nobility and are revered. and onto, uh, Yeah, this is it. This is it. Letters before or after your name does not make you smart. Hell, a high school diploma does not make you smart. What makes you smart is what you do with the information you receive and how you process it and whether or not you think critically. That can't be, well, it can be taught. It's not taught anymore. It's just obedience. But that is the uh, academic rigor of Claudine Gay. So in this New York Times piece, they write, quote, few of, the, uh, few of those who saw the accusations as potentially serious were willing to speak on the record. Now, this is, they're talking to the uh, staff, the teachers at Harvard. And they were afraid to go on record about this. They're afraid to talk about because they are looking at somebody who, if, they, if they'd done what Claudine Gay did, they'd be fired. They'd be out on their ass. There'd be no question about it. Students get the boot from Harvard for doing what Claudine Gay did. But Claudine Gay, diversity hire and uh, victimhood specialist, she gets a pass. Again, the quote, the few of those who saw the accusations as potentially serious were willing to speak on the record, but some who said they were troubled also noted that students were often punished, sometimes harshly, for similar actions, or similar infractions. Isn't that nice? But it's true. This is the world that we live in. Now, what's funny here, and something else I want to highlight, this paragraph from, well, there's a, a couple of paragraphs here. This is kind of funny and telling about how academia works. Even the so-called Republicans, the Republicans are not really conservatives. 
So for some faculty, and not just liberal ones, the details of the charges in Harvard's procedures were less important than the context in which the charges were being lobbed. See, it didn't matter. It's who's accusing. Who's accusing? Not what she's accused of, not whether or not she's guilty of it, but who is accusing. And this goes to the left will simply oppose something because somebody on the right brought it to their attention. You could literally have Joe Biden meeting with Xi Jinping, taking a pile of sweaty cash, making decisions expressly, putting him on the phone, ordering something that China wants. I'm going to change this U.S. policy. You have that on tape. But if Jim Jordan discovered it, Democrats, you'll get uh, Jamie Raskin out there going, this didn't mean anything, and this is wrong, and I don't understand, blah, 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 racism, racism, wine, piss, moan. What do I mean? Here's the next paragraph. Quote, and this is a quote. It's part of this extreme right-wing attack on elite institutions, end quote, said Charles Freed, a professor at Harvard Law School and former solicitor general in the Reagan administration. See, it's the token conservative. Quote, the obvious point is to make it look as if there is this woke double standard at elite institutions. If it came from some other quarter, I might be granting it some credence, he said of the accusations, but not from these people, end quote. <laughs> now, don't you love that? Yeah, no, if, if somebody else, hey, uh, some woman says, I was raped. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't trust you. You dress like a whore. What do you mean I dress like a whore? You dress like a whore. I don't really think that you, I'm going to, nah, never mind. You weren't raped. You kind of dress like a whore. That's the kind of thing. If Now, if it had been somebody who had a skirt down to their ankles, maybe dressed like they're Amish, wore nothing but black shapeless dresses, then I could see that you were sexually assaulted. But you, you dress like a whore, you look like you want it. Come on, give me a break. This is what goes on in academia. Let's see, Stephen Levitsky, a government professor and organizer of a faculty position this month, month urging the corporation to quote the corporate Harvard to quote resist political pressures that are at odds with Harvard's commitment to academic freedoms end quote said the passages highlighted seem to be quote mild sloppiness mild sloppiness now follow this president this president nothing Harvard hires nothing but the best. I mean, she can't write a paper without ripping somebody off, but she's not really ripping somebody off. She's just mildly sloppy. She just, eh, you know what I mean. It's like she just printed it out with a really fancy pen and the ink hadn't dried yet and she sneezed on it. And it just kind of, it's like a cross between a term paper and a Rorschach test. It's all good. <laughs> Uh, many, uh, he said, appeared to occur in sections of the paper dealing not with Gay's core claims, but with summaries of methodologies and of previous scholarship. Now, you'll have it. He said they appear to have occurred here. He doesn't know. He doesn't care. He's read little extra. He doesn't care. That's the thing. His job is to tamp down. Look, he's a good dog. The leftists are leftists first. And they said, we got to protect Claudine Gay. 
These are minor infractions, technical things. People forgot quotation marks. There's a little bit more to citing things than just putting it in quotation marks. There's citing it the way it's supposed to be cited. There's linking to it. There's making sure that the reader is unambiguously aware that this is not a thought from the author. This is somebody else's thought. And then the author should expound upon it, take it to the next level or whatever. But there's none of that from Claudine Gay. It's just lazy copy and pasting. Quote, this is uh, Stephen Levinsey, he said. Uh, quote, she's a quantitative scholar. She cares about the data. These guys don't spend time fussing about their literature reviews, end quote. There it is. She's, she can't be expected to be held to standards. She's too smart. She's too smart? She's too smart to follow basic formatics that you are a requirement for her to achieve the degrees with which she has allegedly uh, earned. That that it? She's no. Basically, you can't expect a black lady to to know how to cite things. It's it's complicated. Look, footnoting and giving credit is a very white European thing. Monsters. That's what it is. This is her small rebellion against the white patriarchy, and we cannot criticize a black woman for doing that. This is the modern left, ladies and gentlemen. Have I mentioned lately that they're horrible people? If I haven't, I certainly meant to, because unambiguously they are. Anyway, that's enough for today. That's enough for this week. The rest of the uh, Kamala Harris quote, by the way, gets even worse. Uh, she doesn't omit words. She articulates the left-wing position, and I will. it needs to be sworn about. So I'm saving it for the Week in F and Review, which will be up tomorrow at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast, which you can go to now and uh, see and comment on the, the Christmas card as well. I can. I only got 40 of them. I'm not sending out a ton of them. So um, thanks to everybody for doing that in advance. Thanks to everybody for listening. Have a great week. Like I say, the snurdly stuff will be up on Sunday or Monday. It'll come into your feed. And then, I don't know, I'll put something up every day that's just kind of a, here's a rerun, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll be back to normal programming after the first after the first of the year, on the second of the year. Have a great one. If you don't uh, go to the Patreon site, have a, well, I guess you'll have a show on Christmas. So anyway, if you don't listen to that, have a Merry Christmas, and I'll see you, talk to you again soon. Thanks.